Welcome to the Overnight Trainer Podcast, where each week we talk about all things related to the world of learning and development, including facilitation, instructional design, sales enablement, and so much more. I'm your host, Sarah Canistra, and I'm an L&D strategist and career coach, and I'm here to take the guesswork out of becoming an L&D professional and show you how to unlock continued success in your learning and development career. I'm on a mission to quickly develop the next generation of L&D leaders who are looking to create meaningful and engaging learning experiences. So, if you're looking to transition into L&D for the first time, have found yourself accidentally in a training position, or are working up the ranks as an L&D professional already, you've come to the right place. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Overnight Trainer Podcast. I am so happy that you're here with us today. Uh, Usually I like to start off by celebrating my clients and I just Right today, I feel so grateful and have so much gratitude for them. And you know, I have some who, a couple who have just recently gotten some amazing jobs. I have some who are still on the journey, um, some who are just starting, and I'm just so grateful for all of them. So today, I celebrate them all, and I want to dive into today's episode because it's on a more vulnerable topic, and it's something that I wish wouldn't resonate with a lot of people. And I know it does. And that is about leaving toxic jobs and toxic cultures. And one of the things I work a lot with my clients on is trying to avoid this. And of course there's (laughs) some that slip through the cracks, but for the most part, when you ask the right questions and you really dive deep and you really figure out what you want, you can really identify a toxic environment before you even go there. But what happens is sometimes, you know, we get so caught up in, I need to get out. I need a job. I need a new job that we, as my mom would say, we go from the devil, you know, the devil we know to the devil we don't, we end up going to to the same devil. And so I want to talk today about my toxic job that I've recently left and kind of how I navigated leaving that. And so when I talk about you know toxic jobs and toxic cultures, you know it looks different to different people. And for me, you know, I really looked at I really look at toxicity from a perspective of how does a company value new ideas and what are, what do they truly value and does that align with my values? And you know, when I look back at the company I used to work for, you know, it was not a company that valued talent; it valued tenure. And so being new to a company and joining it and being, you know, young from an age perspective too, um, but also young in the company, it was hard to really get people to look at new ideas through a lens that they wanted to adopt. And so to me, that was a big part of being in that toxic culture because you're hired under the influencer under the expectation of coming in and being valued for your new ideas. But when you have them, you know, they're, they're constantly turned down. And so that can be demoralizing for sure. For me also, you know, I, it's no secret, but I, I'm huge into 
equity in the workplace. So diversity, equity, and inclusion, and and specifically, you know, the equity and inclusion parts in the industry that I came from was something that was hard to come by. So, you know, it, it was very diverse organizations that I worked for, but the equity and inclusive part. So, you know, for me after really looking at where are we aligned, I think it's important for me, for a company to really dig deep and, and see where they stand. And having a company that acknowledges that there are areas of opportunity and listening to your employees. So repeatedly, I had gone to senior level employees, um, had many attempts at the highest level to show them you know, what's happening within the organization and how it could be fixed. And I think a lot of that comes from companies putting profits over people. And so for me, kind of the last part of toxicity that I, I had to deal with was being an operations first focused company. So putting profits over people. And I'm huge in the mindset of if you put people over profit, your profit will skyrocket. And so those are kind of the the found what was the foundation that led to a toxic culture, right? So I think those things in and of themselves don't necessarily mean it's a toxic culture um, or toxic company, um, although they very well can be. But I don't think they all always lead to that. What happens is is that we are sold on the idea of a company wanting to change, but it was more about the perception of being open to change. I think that's what starts to create that toxicity, right? It's that we're not really open to change, but we want people from the outside to think that we are. And that creates a a lot of toxic culture inside. And in L&D specifically, this type of culture is almost impossible to navigate through. Because when it's a company who doesn't really value new ideas, but they'll pretend they do, you have no choice but to either become an order taker or become a revolter. And I'm sure this doesn't surprise you, but, (laughs) you know, I became a revolter and that came with its own set of punishments and limitations and all eyes on. And so when you look at it from a a different L&D perspective, but kind of of the same nature, a culture that doesn't pride itself on developing people or developing its talent or investing in its people essentially sets L&D up to fail. So that's where a lot of toxicity comes from too. There's a lot more to the story, but um, you know, if a company doesn't invest physical dollars into training, employees aren't encouraged or rewarded to learn, that it's seen as a waste of time and energy for them. So not only do you have a company full of leaders who don't value people development, but then the people themselves learn that training is the enemy, essentially, uh, which literally sets everyone up for failure. And I, I learned this and noticed this very, very early on. And I was, in fact, what you would probably describe as an abusive environment that took me lots of therapy to thrive through or survive through. I'm sorry. Uh, but like many others and probably like a lot of you listening, I felt I needed to stay for my survival. Right? Benefits, 401k six-figure paycheck, right? All of those things where you're like, oh, I need just, I need this to survive, right? I had rent. I had a car payment. Uh, this was even before I met my boyfriend. So I was single. I didn't have a partner. I, you know, had to support and take care of myself. 
And so I, even with all of that, even with the toxicity that I could see early on, I really desperately tried and wanted to be part of the change. And I think with as L&D practitioners and professionals, you know, that's why we get into this, right? Like we get into this so we can create change and be part of the change. We know that what we do is hard work and change management is hard work and organizational change is hard work. We know that getting into it, right? So it's almost like we're totally up for the challenge, which makes us really awesome people. Um, so I tried really hard to be a part of the change and when George Floyd was murdered last May and nothing was done or said, <laughs> I knew, I realized, right, that change was a far-fetched hope. And I decided then that I needed to leave. So that was last May. <laughs> it is now March. So it's been almost a year. And so it's not something that can happen, does happen overnight, right? I mean, we'll talk about this a little bit later. I've made some notes here, but... I want to talk about the steps that I took to leave this environment and what you can start doing today to prepare for it. So the first thing that I did was I learned to conserve my energy. And I'm going to talk about having a coach a little bit later, obviously. (laughs) But one thing that my coach taught me was how to conserve my energy at my nine to five. So I would get so worked up about how I was treated, company politics, the company responds to social and humanitarian issues. And it was literally eating away at me every single day. I, I would use the words. I was actually on my coach's podcast and I would use these words with her all the time that I felt like it was sucking the life out of me. And my health suffered. You know, my health suffered the most it had ever during the last two years. And learning to give only the energy that was needed was a complete saving grace for me. So this might sound woo-woo to some of you. So (laughs) Um, the way that I did it, honestly, and the way I was able to conserve energy was a total game changer for me. So every morning I sat at my desk and before I opened my computer, opened my email, before I did anything, I sat down and took four really, really, really deep inhales and exhales. And I imagined breathing in energy and breathing out anything that was bothering me, annoying me, whatever. And then I imagined that a bubble was around me and that that was my safeguard, right? My protection from whatever shit was going to come at me that day to bounce off of, right? So I just like imagined, I would joke with some of my colleagues, you know, I just imagined that like things would come at me and it's like, bing, 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 like just bounced right off of me. And For months, I did this every day. And some days it worked like a charm. Things that would have probably bothered me, I just let it bounce right off and I conserved my my energy. I used to always say, which is funny because it eventually led me to become my own CEO, but I used to always say, you know, it's not my company. I'm not the CEO here. I can't make this decision. I can't change this decision. Like I'm on my way out. I'm conserving my energy so I can get out. And some days it worked like a charm and other days shit would penetrate through. Like really it would, right? We're all human. And so overall it changed my mindset and it made me think about everything that came my way. And if it was worthy of my energy, worthy of my frustration, my anger, my sadness. And eventually I ended up having to do this practice less and less because I became aware of the patterns 
and could effectively and more easily change my response to things. So again, it doesn't work 100% of the time. Very few things do. But it was the first thing that I did that helped me get in the mindset to be able to do all the other things, right? What can I not control here? And how can I conserve the energy that I would normally spend being mad, frustrated, angry, sad, disappointed, right? A lot of disappointment. How can I just not do that? And again, some days it worked really well and some days it didn't because we're all humans. But the more I practiced it and the more that it worked and then I was able to take that energy that I conserved and put it towards efforts to leave. So the second thing that I did on top of all this, this this is all a process, was I got really clear on what I wanted to do next. This is actually how I invented my niche guide. So at first I was literally applying anywhere and everywhere to get out of my current situation. And if you work with me one-on-one, you know that I call this the short game, which is getting out because you have to get out. And with my clients, I have some who come to me who are in really bad, toxic, abusive work environments. We play the short game, which is finding something quick, something that's you know, a contract, something to get them out of their current situation. So I was like short gaming the hell out of it. And I was figuring out how do I get out? And I was going on interviews and I was getting offers, but it didn't feel different enough to make the jump. So like my mom says, you know, it's the devil, you know, versus the devil you don't. And it felt a lot like the devil that I didn't know. And so after a bumpy start to my exit, I started journaling every single morning. So I think I've talked about this in another podcast, um, maybe a podcast I've been on, but I read the artist's way and I started journaling every single morning and I just basically wrote down whatever came to my mind. And from a work perspective, I figured I wrote down what I was good at, what I wanted to be known for, what I didn't want to do. These are all things that I work through with my one-on-one clients to really hone in and figure out, you know, why did I want to, once I figured that out, like, why do I want to do this for who, what did I want my relationships to look like or the people, people I worked with. And that was actually how the overnight trainer was born. And at first it was just a name. Like I literally had on my paper, the overnight trainer. I had no idea what the hell it was going to be, what I was going to do with it. Uh, I had no idea really what the, what would happen with it. And it wasn't until I had my coach that I actually saw this as a business and a way out. But by understanding what I wanted next, right? So all I knew is I had the name and I knew I wanted to help others become trainers. That's literally all I had. And so by understanding what I wanted to do next, helping others become trainers, be an entrepreneur, create relationships with like-minded people who wanted to make the industry and our workplace better, it began to shape the decisions I was making to make that become a reality. So it's really getting super, super clear on what I wanted next. That took time. I didn't wake up one day and say, oh, I want to leave and be an entrepreneur and have this business and coach clients who are looking to get into L&D or grow in their L&D careers, uh, consulting, right? None of that was in my mind. But as I continued to write down what I was really good at, what I wanted to do, what I didn't want to do, um, why I wanted to do it, who I wanted to help and who I wanted to work with, right? All of these things were to become into fruition and paved the way for them to become a reality because I got super, super clear as far as what I needed and what I didn't need. So once I figured that out, then I networked my ass off. Okay. So I have a whole episode. It's on episode six where we talk about 
networking. And that's all from my own personal experimentation. And what I did was I connected with people who were in my same position, who were in positions I wanted to be in, and people who I looked up to, motivated and inspired me. And that's this is where I came up with my, what I call my rule of thirds, right? So connect with people who are in the same boat as you, people who are in positions that you want to be in, um, or you know, and then their bosses, and then people who I look look up to, motivate, inspire you. And again, this is episode six, so I go into lots of detail, which I won't, I won't do here for the sake of time. But I joined networking events. I started commenting and engaging on people's posts on LinkedIn, and then eventually started posting myself. So I talk about this with my clients a lot too. Is you know we come up with a LinkedIn strategy or networking strategy, and usually it's around LinkedIn, but you know of of gradually getting there, right? So it's not just creating your profile and now all of a sudden you're you know a thought leader. It's which I always debate that term, but you know it's it's getting there. And so when I started posting eventually, right, this was an all none of this happened overnight and tagging others in my conversation, that's when I started to see the light at the end of the tunnel. My advice here is go find a community to join people you can lean on, join the conversation. So don't be afraid to join the conversation. This step requires vulnerability and putting yourself out there. But I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, there are so many good people who want to help and connect with you. And they want to hear what you have to say. I have made some of the best relationships that I've had as an adult in the last several months from LinkedIn. And the community that's on there is just incredible. And if anyone's ever mean to you, you let me know and I will find them. Okay. Like <laughs> you are my people. And if anyone comes for you on LinkedIn, you let me know. So networking was number three. And the last one, and I mentioned this already a few times, the last step that I took was getting help. And I got help in lots of ways. First of all, during, I mentioned this earlier, but during the really tough first year of my job, I saw a therapist every single week, every single week. And I know that that's a luxury. And if you are at a full-time job and it's toxic, check what your employee assistance program offers because, and your benefits too, because my employee assistance program had six sessions that you could uh, talk to a therapist. So there's sessions right there. Like if you're in in an environment figure out a way to use all the benefits you can, right? While you're there, utilize it up. And there's that, seeing what your benefits cover, what services, and there's a lot of, um, you know, for me, for example, for therapy, my therapist was outside of network, but if she gave me a super bill and I submitted it to my insurance, I got 60% back. So, and a lot of times too, therapists will negotiate with you. So when I was in a tough financial situation before I started working at my last job, um, my therapist lowered the rate for me. So there's a lot of different options there, but I, I know it's a very privileged to be able to go and see a therapist. But if you are in a toxic um, in work environment and you do have benefits, check out what your employee assistance program has because you can at least start to get help from there. So I saw a therapist every single week. And as someone who has been in a personal abusive relationship before, I was having a lot of PTSD and I needed professional help to really cope with the trauma of my past and what I was experiencing in the moment and at work on a daily basis. So that was something that 
I needed to do for myself was to get therapy. I'm a huge proponent of, of mental health and being open about it. I have generalized anxiety disorder. I have obsessive compulsive disorder. So, you know, there, put that out there for you. Um, but this was something that was really, really triggering to me in a lot of ways. And I needed to get professional help with it. And it was very, very, very helpful. And then, like I've already mentioned, and I've talked about before, I also hired a coach. And not just any coach, but a business coach. Because at this point, again, I got super clear on what I wanted. I knew I wanted, eventually, as I figured it out and really did the work, I figured out I wanted to own my own business. I wanted it to be the overnight trainer. I wanted to help people land jobs. I wanted to consult, right? There was all these things I wanted to do within that umbrella. Um, and I, I, I got a business coach who I was super, super aligned with. And one who rooted for me, brainstormed with me, helped me to figure out how to turn the energy I saved, right? These scribbles in my notebook, the network that I grew and form that into a business. And for some of us, it's a business coach. And for some of us, it's a career coach. And for some of us, it's a therapist. And for some of us, like me, it's all of that, right? Like, you know, it could be a mix of all of those things. And I could have gotten out of my job and out of that environment without help. So that's the thing. If you're listening to this now and you're like, I can't afford any of those things. I don't have any of the things available to me. Just know that you you can still do it without, without that, right? I gave you three other pieces to really get you there. But I will say it would have taken me so much longer and would have caused me a lot more mental and physical health damage if I didn't get help. If I didn't hire my coach, if I didn't go to therapy, the money I've invested in my therapist, who I still go to every single week because holler for mental health and the money I invested in my coach has been repaid to me in the now I'm on my third, it's Monday. I'm on my third week of entrepreneurship has been already repaid to me in full and beyond in the weeks that I've been out on my own as an entrepreneur and owning my own business. I am a true, true, true believer that you need to invest in yourself. And when you invest in yourself, it will return dividends and dividends upon dividends. So there you have it. A short little sweet episode for you. But really the four things that I did to help me leave my toxic environment, just to recap, is I first learned to conserve my energy. I second got super clear on what I wanted to do next. I then networked my ass off and connected with people who were in my same position, people who were in positions I wanted to be in, and people who I looked up to and motivated and inspired me. And side note from that, got a mentor out of it. And then lastly, I invested in myself and got help. Right? So those are the four things that I did to help me leave my job. And the first part of it is really important. So the energy part is super important because that actually allowed me to stay longer than I probably would have, right? So if I didn't learn to conserve my energy, I probably would have made a rash decision and would have just left. And being able to conserve my energy and then focus on the other three things really, really helped. It's almost like conserving that energy really did put me in a bubble. <laughs> I really, truly mean it. You felt, I felt like I was in a bubble and that I was protected and that I could pivot and I could focus on bettering myself and getting clear on what I wanted and networking with people to make the best exit for myself. So again, like I said earlier, I wish this episode didn't resonate with some of you, but I know for a fact that it does. 
And besides the fact that I would obviously love to help you if you're in this position as your coach, you know I'm available for one-on-one coaching. I also want you to know that whether we work together or not, I am a friend to you. We may not know each other. We can always know each other. Hit me up on LinkedIn, but I'm here to be a friend to you, a mentor to you, a shoulder to cry on. And I really hope an inspiration that you too will be on the other side of this very, very soon. So thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I know it was a little more of a somber one, uh, but it's something that has been on my mind. And then now that I'm in week three of entrepreneurship, you know, every single week I'm learning all these new lessons and working with such incredible people. The clients I have from my coaching business, the clients I have and the companies I work with through my consulting business, you know, I get to work with my mentors every day. I've joined an incredible, incredible HR company and every person in there is just the most incredible, incredible people. And to learn every single day and to be in a safe environment feels really strange. (laughs) But it's never, ever, ever felt better than it does right now. So I promise you, there is the other side of this. You will find it very soon. And until then, conserve your energy and I'll see you on the other side. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If it resonated with you in any way, please let me know by subscribing, liking, and leaving a review. I'd love to hear from you on how you're using these tools as well as what you want to hear more of. So connect with me on LinkedIn at Sarah Canistra, send me a DM, or email me at hello at theovernighttrainer.com. I can't wait to hear from you. And until next week, stay learning.